Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast, where we work together to raise our vibration, lift our perspective, and build a positive mindset. My name is Henry, and in this episode, we have an amazing interview with Peter Sage. He is a author, a motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philosopher, and teacher, and this was just such a great conversation. We talk about how you can build your positive mindset, like actionable things that you can do to be in that positive frequency, and his story is very interesting because he is someone that preached this stuff taught this stuff, and then just a few years ago, he was put to the ultimate test in keeping and maintaining a positive mindset through a very, very difficult situation. I can't wait to share that with you, but before we get started, we're going to take a few moments to slow down, zero in, we're going to take a deep, healing, meditative breath to align ourselves on the frequency that we want for the day. So you're going to pick a word, it can be love, joy, happiness, abundance, whatever frequency you want in your life. You're going to say that word over and over and over again as we take a deep breath in, and then as you're holding your breath, visualize yourself doing something in that frequency, and then once you exhale, anything that no longer resonates with you will leave you, and you'll be in a more positive state. So let's go ahead and take a deep breath in. And now... All right. Well, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. Welcome to the Positive Mindset Podcast, Peter. I'm so excited to have you here. You know, you're a speaker, a mentor, an author of the book, The Inside Track. And, you know, you're all about helping people, it looks like, just achieve, you know, the best version of themselves. So welcome to the show. Absolute pleasure, Henry. No, it's, uh, I know we, uh, we tried to get it set up and we, we both got uh, our schedules on point. So it's, uh, it's always great to be able to come and add some value to somebody who's adding value to so many people. Well, yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate you being on here. And so for the listeners that don't know you, I think sometimes one of the best ways to understand somebody is understand like what they do and how they work. And so there was a particular client that you worked with that I saw um, through your website. And it's a guy named Tony and he's kind of building his business through his self-worth. And I thought maybe we could start with that story and kind of dive into it. Well, uh, I think that's a great idea because uh, it, it carries so many parallels for so many different people at, at different parts of their life. You know, we can all look at different people and, and say, well, okay, they've got a relationship issue, they've got a health issue, they've got a, you know, a finance issue. But uh, at the end of the day, outer world follows inner world. Case closed. Absolutely. And yeah, if we start focusing on yeah, understanding that as a core belief, life tends to open up the pathway to get a little easier. And yeah, one of the things to, to really understand is that the moment you make whatever's going on in your life that seems to be upsetting you, the moment you make it about anybody other than you, you lose your power. The moment you start blaming, you lose your power. And it's so easy to fall into that because nobody likes to look in the mirror and admit yeah, themselves to be 
uh, less than. Uh, unless you get secondary gain from being a victim, which sadly a lot of people do. There's, there's yeah. a lot of people out there that are starting to become very happy being unhappy. And yeah, that's a whole different aspect. We can touch on that later. But when it comes to, to Tony, Tony Nicholson, amazing gentleman, came to me one time. He was, uh, he was depressed. He was yeah, uh, upset. And he, without getting too much into the backstory, uh, he'd gone through some tragedy of his, his father passing away. He was in China uh, trying to scrape a living together. He was working as a personal trainer, Western guy. And he was charging $50 an hour and was asking me if I'd got any strategies to be able to help. And he was doing what a lot of people in that kind of scenario do where, you know, you're kind of your own boss, you own your own job. Yeah. You're making enough money to be able to run enough ads to make enough money to run some more ads. Yeah, you're kind of trapped in the, uh, the, the dream of wanting to control your time and money freedom, but unfortunately not quite there. And then you're actually working longer hours for less pay than if you're working for somebody else for McDonald's. Yeah, the, the sort of early entrepreneurial you know, realization a lot of people get in, in those you know, sort of startup days. Absolutely. And my question kind of shook him because uh, I answered his question with a question of my own. I said, why aren't you charging $500 instead of $50 an hour? And he kind of laughed. He looked at me and says, well, nobody would pay that. And I said, quite seriously, I looked at me and I says, well, no, you're wrong. I says, you're wrong for a couple of reasons. I says, you're wrong because yeah, in China, there's a lot of people that are very wealthy that are demonstrating their wealth with their waistline. Yeah, they can't walk upstairs without getting out of breath. Yeah, they can't have a, a meaningful relationship. They've got to pay for company. You know, all of this kind of stuff. If you can genuinely apply yourself to give them a better quality of life, they'd pay $500 an hour in a heartbeat. I said, the other thing is, there's a lot of people out there that are driven by the need for significance. And there's a lot of people that would like to pay that kind of money just to brag to their rivals in the country club they have a more expensive personal trainer than you do. And I said, so the issue here isn't the fact that you, out of a billion people, you can't find 10 people that'll be you know, happy to pay that. I said, yeah. the real issue is you're not worth it. You, you look in the mirror. You don't, you don't think you're worth $500 now. If you did, you'd attract that in a heartbeat. And he kind of looked at me and there's this dawning realization that, well, as he's come to realize now that people will attract you know, the exact alignment of where they are. And most people's self-worth and net worth are tied so closely together that if there's not enough money in the bank, they feel like crap. They feel worthless. They feel like a failure. Or they hustle in this kind of bandwidth of yeah, kind of hitting a glass ceiling, bouncing down, getting back up, and plus or minus 10, 20% earning the same as they did last year, as they will next year, etc. There seems to be that cycle, no matter what the business opportunity, no matter what the job promotion, they're, they're kind of earning the same plus or minus. Yeah, yeah. how do you break out of that? And that was really a, a great example and case study because Tony not only went on over a period of time, didn't happen straight away, but we worked on understanding his self-worth. Yeah, who he was as a person inside and that his current net worth had very little to do with his self-worth. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. If I lost everything tomorrow, which has happened many times, it'd be a damn good excuse to go again. I don't need external approval and I don't link my self-worth yeah, to yeah, a fluctuating bank balance, which is part of an entrepreneur's journey. So yeah, for him, he went on uh, within... I think the next time I saw him was eight months later and he was charging $250 an hour. He was making more money than he'd made before. He'd fired half of his clients and he was having more time for himself. 
A year later, he's doing $500 an hour. Two years later, he's charging $5,000 an hour. He's charging 100 grand for 20 sessions and getting it. Now, you don't need many clients like that to have a better life than 50 bucks an hour no. working 40 hours a week. Right? So, and the, the time that I knew that Tony owned himself, he created this four hour workshop for uh, business owners to teach their staff healthier ways of living so they could increase productivity, reduce time off or illness or sickness, etc. Not have that you know, mid afternoon slump where everybody's in a carb coma or a sugar crash and you know, you're paying essentially you know, 40 hours a week wages for getting you know, 17 hours a week productive work. So he would charge $10,000 to come in and teach this four hour workshop and you know, charge a first class ticket to wherever it was. And he was getting it and he was doing, you know, one or two of those a week on top of his other things. And the time that I knew he owned himself for real was when he called me when we were having a chat. And he says, oh, yeah, I had a, a guy call up. He was a wealthy guy worth you know, $100 million out of Taiwan. And he says, look, uh, I'd love you to come over. And I told him my race. He says, look, why don't I give you 5000 in cash? And you can have a business class ticket, but you can use my resort. He owned a holiday resort. Use my resort yeah. for a day or two, I guess. And Tony said, well, no, I'm, I'm $10,000 and a first class ticket. And the guy says, you know, classic entrepreneur, deal maker. He's like, yeah, no, but it's only a two-hour flight. It's kind of the same thing. Come on, let me give you five grand. Yeah, come use my resort. Bring your girlfriend. And um, yeah, business class ticket. Yeah. And Tony said, you know something? For a rich guy, you're pretty cheap. And he hung up. And it was at that moment where I realized that, boom, you know, when you can afford to fire clients, when even if you don't have the money in the bank, you're sending a message to the universe that you are worth it. Yeah, you're the prize. And whether yeah. that's in a relationship, whether that's you know, when you look at your body and you start to own responsibility for what it looks like, then yeah, you start to really own your power and move forward. And the guy called back about uh, two hours later with $10,000, a first-class ticket, and yeah, come spend a couple of days at my resort. Yeah, so tied it all in, and so um, that's an awesome story. And that um, you know, it's great that that person expanded in a space that's helping people, right? You know, that's that's what you want to do. And there's something that you mentioned that I think I don't know why it's difficult, um, but I would say this is probably what you see most people struggling with is tying their net worth with their you know self worth. Mm -hmm. Why is that happening? It's conditioned by society. Yeah, obviously money isn't you know, the only benchmark of success by any means, but it is one that most people keep score with because it's the easiest one to calibrate. Yeah, okay. the, the challenge is that you know, most people find out way too late there is a huge difference between a life-chasing success and a life-chasing fulfillment. And so many people get to the top of Success Mountain and then want to jump off because what they thought was there at the end of the rainbow isn't. Yeah, yeah. that's why you see lottery winners on drugs. That's why you see... Yeah, I mean, it's the classic entrepreneurial yeah, tragedy. Yeah, if, if it wasn't so yeah, uh, depressing, it would almost be comical that yeah, you go sacrifice the best years of your life, giving up your health, yeah, ignoring your relationship, yeah, missing your kids grow up and your daughter's recital, because in your mind, you're saying, I need to get somewhere so that I can provide for my family, so that I can finally feel good enough or worth or maybe or have some sense of security or certainty or whatever it may be, or significance. Yeah only to be one of the 1% of people that actually get to a place where they feel that they've cashed out yeah, financially yeah. enough. And then what do you do with the money that even if you get there? Well, you've now made it enough to pay for your divorce. 
It's to hire a personal trainer to get your health back and buy your kids loads of stuff so they remember who you are. I mean, it's people are just chasing the wrong game. And if you start linking yourself worth and net worth, you, you can't get out of that because there is never enough when you're seeking external validation. Now, I've worked with people that are worth $700 million that are miserable as hell because they're not a billionaire. It never ends. Yeah. And I walk wow. that path. I walk the path. I, you know, I thought when I made my first million, then I'll oh, get my first million, then I'll be happy. And of course, made my first million in my early 20s. And what happened? Now I'm paranoid. So I'm going to make two million in case I lose the first. Yeah, it's, it never ends. You know, you're chasing the more. And yeah, if you think that who you are is what's on your bank balance, take a lesson from the Egyptians. Nobody's taking anything with you. So I believe yeah. that we start in the movie of our life. And yeah, this particular movie, we're in front of camera playing a character called whatever our name is. But yeah. I think with previous movies, I think we've got a lot more movies to go in. And when we finish this movie and have our final scene, which is one of the only things that's guaranteed, yeah, that and taxes, according to me, Joe Black, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you'll come to a situation where you realize that, let's say you're starring in The Fast and the Furious, and you get to drive some pretty cool cars. But at the end of the movie, you don't get to take the props with you. I say, the Egyptians tried that, and what happened? I'll tell you. We dug it up and stole it. Yeah. So... Yeah, the the understanding or the coming to the awareness that by the very definition of anything being physical, its destination is non-physical. Sorry, it's just, just the way it is. Yeah, you, know, you okay. can ignore that okay. awareness, but I yeah, I invite you to challenge it. So who you and I are, the essence of who you and I are really is non-physical. And I can prove that pretty easy. You know, we, we have a body we run around in, but we're not our body because if I was to cut off my arm, I'd have 15% less body, but I'd still be 100% me. Yeah. I have 15% less personality, memory, sense of humor. What makes us us is that non-physical. It's, uh, again, our personality, our, our values, our goals, our hopes, our dreams, our inspiration, all of that stuff that you can't put in a matchbox on the shelf. Yeah. In fact, how much yeah. non-physical can you fit in a matchbox? Well, all of it. It's You can't conceptualize it in a third-dimensional projected reality. So when we realize that the essence of who we are is non-physical, what does life become? Is it about collecting physical things to feel better? No. Start going to places where people have nothing and they are happy. I've done a lot of work in Africa, in yeah. many of the countries in sub-Saharan Africa. I've seen kids that are so joyous because it rained yesterday, because they've got an extra spoon of rice. Because they found a, something in the street to play with. Right? And they're genuinely happy. They're just running around smiling, having fun. Right? And what are we? We get upset because we can't afford the new iPhone. You know, it puts it in perspective, right? Yeah. Well, that goes back to the, you know, the external world being a reflection of your in, internal world. You know, what you mentioned there with that. So if somebody, you know, is listening right now and, you know, they came here because they were feeling down, they were looking for, you know, something to uplift them. And they're in that situation where they have a job that's not fulfilling, they have a relationship that's not fulfilling, and they're viewing it as those things that are the reason that they're upset. What's the first step then to get that, you know, positive mindset or get that, you know, different perspective to where it's not those external things influencing them and being able to take claim that, oh, it's me. The, the easiest sidestep out of 
you know, getting into, you know, from, from negative thoughts or you know, bordering depression or whatever you want to call it, is the, the ability to connect to gratitude. Gratitude is an incredible feeling. I don't call it an emotion. It actually gives off a different electromagnetic signature to virtually any other emotion other than unconditional love. But most people don't know how to connect to unconditional love because they don't have references for it. Now, the closest you'll get is the, uh, the, the oxytocin-driven biochemical connection between a mother and child in, in the early days. But if you, know, you think about it, anybody can connect to gratitude. The only thing that's stopping you is your rules around what you think has to happen for you to be able to feel it. And most people are contrasting the wrong way. They're saying, I don't feel good because I don't have fill in the blank. Yeah, the relationship, the partner, the money, the career, the blah, blah, whatever it is. Yeah. See, what's wrong is always available if you want to play that game. I can come up with what's wrong right now for you know, a dozen things in my life if I wanted to focus on that. But where's that going to lead me? That's a tunnel with no cheese. And some people are so addicted to the thoughts and feelings and the backstory. And I'll tell you off the bat, you know, if you want to play victim, I've got news for you. 80% of people don't care about your problems. The other 20% are glad you have them. And you're going to stay there until you start figuring it out that hitting your head against the, the pity pool, uh, sorry, the, the, the pity pot is going to hurt long term and doesn't give any results. Yeah. So if you're in victim mode, you need to get start taking personal responsibility. And sometimes that's a tough pill to swallow, especially if you've got other emotions like guilt or shame or you know, other things we can you know, talk about and how to let go of. But, you know, and I talk a lot about that in the book, the, the inside track. And again, the inside track is totally, it's an inside job in terms of how you show up in the world. And I demonstrate in the real-term you know, circumstances there in some of the toughest conditions I've ever been, how to stay smiling when life hits you to the bat. But gratitude, everybody can contrast that. Everybody can find something to be grateful for. The fact you're taking a breath, the fact you've been born into a time in human history your ancestors dreamed about, most of which, you know, I say most, at least some of which, died screaming in agony in childbirth so that you could stand here today breathing. Now you have the ability to walk into a building you didn't build, called a supermarket. Look at foods that you know, came from countries you've never been to, grown by people you've never met, sailed on ships you don't know how to sail, that you can sample for you know, relatively nothing when it comes to finances. You know, an hour or two's work or labor. I, I mean, people forget. Because they're too busy looking at all of the consumer-driven BS that you know, says that you're not good enough if, unless you smell this way, look this way, dress that way, buy this, all this kind of crap. So that's what I'm talking about, the difference between internal and external validation. When you know that you're good enough, regardless of what clothes you can afford, regardless of what your house looks like, then i got news for you. You can't be pushed, pulled, job. The power that starts being released in that is amazing. But if you... Uh, let, let's take relationships as one example. Let, let's go to the extreme, the narcissistic relationship. You've got somebody who's so insecure, they're going to convince you that you're worthless without them. They're going to put you down. They're going to control you. They're going to tell you you can't go out and see your friends, do anything. They're jealous, possessive, and yeah, ultimately seeking every way to belittle you until you're building down so that theirs can look taller by contrast. It's massive insecurity. All they basically said is that, you know, you, you've forgotten you're the prize. When you realize that you are worth so much more than somebody else's, uh, be, being a film extra in somebody else's movie, and you start recognizing you're the star of your own, 
the power that comes with that level of realization and exploration is huge. And you can't access that if you're looking at life through the wrong lens of contrasting yeah, through why you're not good enough. Because again, yeah. brain will come up yeah. for a reason. So yeah, from yeah, getting into gratitude as a first step, we'll start to unhook. See, m- most people aren't living their potential and rising up to their greatness, not because they're not good enough, but because they're waiting, they've got these ankle weights of guilt, shame, yeah, fear, anxiety, apathy, whatever it may be. And the, the, the tragedy here, Henry, is that most people are essentially blaming their wings for not being able to fly when it's the ankle weights and there's nothing wrong with their wings. Does that make sense? No, I mean, it, it makes complete sense. And the there's a saying that I heard not too long ago and it made it, it came into my mind when you were talking about that but you know somebody's worst day is still somebody's worst day and so you talked about you know someone in a, in a third world country who's excited because it rained and here we've got someone that's upset because it rained right or you know wherever you're located because you know the stress that um, you felt is different than theirs and so the hard day for them is different but it's still their worst day and your worst day comparatively so and, you know, so how do people start creating like, you know, action steps to shake off the ankle weights like you're talking about, you know, where it's, it's not the ability to fly, it's the ability to believe that you don't have this weight on you or, or know that you don't have the weight on you. Well, again, the, the, the first step making it practical is create a gratitude list. Okay. I don't care if two things that you stick on today and one thing you stick on tomorrow and you just keep adding to it. Yeah, it's, it's a resource. There are certain times where you just don't feel like you want to go to gratitude because you're upset, pissed off, you know, whatever. But at that point, if you can pull out a list of things that you've already done, you know, a, th- a list that you've already put, yeah, grateful that, I don't know, your parents are still alive, uh, if they are, you know, mine aren't. Yeah, grateful that, you know, you, you've got a roof over your head, even if it's small and, and leaks from time to time. Yeah, grateful for the fact that you've got a job that somebody's willing to pay you something for so that you're not on the street yet. And now at least you can use that to be able to move forward to a better position, whatever it may be. You know, again, I've, it, contrasting is huge. But when we're not in the mood, it's easy to pull out, you know, if the storm's blowing, the negative storm's blowing, it's easy to have a flagpole you've already put in the ground that you can hold on to. Yeah. I'd have a look at. So gratitude list is a great exercise. And again, I want to make a distinction. It's the difference between writing something on your gratitude list. That's a big thing now where you can download gratitude journals and gratitude apps and five things to be grateful for before bed. And people are turning it into a to-do. See, you you get two places you can live from, intellect and being. And most people live in their head, which is why the mismanaged imagination is the only thing that's keeping you upset, by the way. Yeah, and I'm not talking about discounting tragedies and things like that. You know, we've all, everybody's got stuff they can reach back and, and point to as sob stories. You know, I've got, yeah. you know, when, when both my parents passed away, you know, I've got no other family, no brothers, no sisters, no grandparents, no aunts, uncles, cousins I'm in touch with. Yeah, so for me, it was, it was a big loss, and they both died quite suddenly within a short time of each other. And, you know, I chose how grateful I was to allow you know, that I could have given my parents a wish that every parent wanted, which is that their children outlive them. Now, I'm going to go into grief, but I'm going into grief because it's a cathartic expression and a natural expression of, of yeah, being able to come to terms with that loss in a short period. But okay. grief isn't taking me down on its terms where some people get stuck for the next five years. 
Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a different answer. So my point being is when, when you come from intellect in, uh, instead of being, or you're thinking about things to be grateful for, then there's a difference between thinking about it and experiencing the emotion of gratitude. So you can say, oh, I'm grateful for, and I'm grateful for that the sun shining today. Well, great. I put a tick on my gratitude app so I can feel good about yeah. ticking a box. That's not actually doing anything biochemically to my system. When I'm feeling the emotion of being grateful, the list is the trigger to allow me to feel, not something that makes me feel good because I've done a to-do. Okay. So when I feel grateful, I'm flooding the body with a completely different set of biochemicals. Yeah, I've got serotonin and dopamine and oxytocin and, and a whole bunch of yeah, neuropeptides and hormones that really allow me to feel great because gratitude gives off a, a very high frequency signature. Now, that will become easier with frequency, just like anything. Whether it's learning to ice skate, play golf, speak a language, drive a car. If you don't use it, you lose it. That's the way the, the brain is wired. Literally every night you have, you can sit on a, a uh, electron microscope, you have neurons that get snipped like branches off a tree that aren't being used for a while. They get cut, they get pruned. That's why people you know, need refresher courses. Yeah. <laughs> As it were. So, you know, gratitude again, I, I just want to keep it simple and practical for people. Starting with that as the basis, I don't care what yeah, pills you're taking for depression. You know, I don't care what sob story you're, you're hiding behind to prevent you from having the courage to let go and, and start moving forward again yeah, and mend your broken heart. Uh, and again, be mindful of, of the language. You know, so, oh, he broke my heart. Well, I'm like, oh, great. Show me the x-ray. Right? Or what do you mean? No, your language is what's putting you down. He didn't break your heart. He gave the opportunity to, for you to be able to go and find somebody you deserve and deserves you. Yeah. If you start saying, oh, the love of my life has gone, how does that set you up for a, a lifetime of happiness? Yeah, it doesn't. Oh, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope. Well, then let go. Huh? I mean, again, our language is just so, when, when we catch ourselves, especially when people are depressed or unhappy, and again, I'm not trying to trivialize this. You know, we, we've all got stories I can put on the table. But I've worked with enough people who are committed to wanting to get out of that and turn it around. It's all about choosing the perspective. I remember when... Uh, the beginning of the um, the, the whole you know, COVID thing, yeah. The and yeah, the world went into lockdown, and people were upset and tragic. I said, "Well, let me let me share a quick story with you." I said, "I had a business partner at the time. Name was Marius, beautiful soul uh, from Poland, and he called me one day and says, Pete, I'm really, really upset. I'm really depressed.' Like what? He says, "I'm I'm, I'm scared." He says, "Why?" He says. I've got a, a lump that they found in my, my chest. He says, and yeah, they're doing a biopsy. They think it could be cancer. And you know, I, I've got to wait two weeks for the results and I'm, I'm stressed out of my mind. I can't sleep. I says, well, what are you worried about? He says, well, worried about it's cancer. I'm like, yeah, but what are you worried about? He says, well, I guess I'm worried about it. I could die. I says, well, everybody's gonna die. What are you really worried about? He says, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about leaving my two boys fatherless. I know his two boys. Yeah, one was nine, one was 12. Beautiful kids. Yeah. I said, well, at some point, you want that to happen. What do you mean? I said what I said to you. I says, it's every parent's wish their children outlive them. 
Now, of course, we never get to choose one and it's always too soon. But at some point, yeah, do you want to die before your kids? He says, well, yes, of course. I says, okay. You're just worried about when? I says, so let me ask you a question. Five years after, let's just say that happens. Let's say it happens, I don't know, yeah, 10 years, 50 years from now, it doesn't matter. But at some point, you want that scenario to happen. Okay, let's call it one of this. After five years after that, are you able to help your kids if they have an issue? Says, well, no. Well, actually, you can. You can do it now. What do you mean? I said, let's just say five years after you've gone, they encounter a challenge for themselves, which, you know, by the very definition of being in what I call earth school, you know, we're here to grow through challenge. That's how, that's how it works. I said, so let's not pick a health challenge. That's, that's a pretty emotive. Nobody wants that for their kids. But let's say it's a divorce. Let's say it's a, a pretty messy divorce. Five years after you've gone, you know, for whatever reason that can happen, as we know, you know one of your sons and his wife you know, part, and it becomes a little, you know, let's say, less than um, a happy affair. I said, at that point, can you help them? He says, well, not if I'm gone. I says, yeah, but can you imagine your two boys having the conversation? Hey, do you remember that time that dad thought he had cancer? How did he show up? Oh, yeah, that was a tough time for him. Remember? remember he was like, hey, son, don't worry. Yeah, we'll get through this no matter what. Yeah, most likely it isn't, but we'll figure it out. And if it is, hey, don't worry about it. Yeah, he was so strong. He was so positive. Wow. You could inspire your sons in the next two weeks by getting off this stressed pity pot and giving them one of the biggest gifts you've got the opportunity to give. And people are like, whoa. I says, now let's take the lockdowns. I says, some of you are complaining that it's lockdown. I says, at some point, now nobody knew how long this yeah, stuff was going to go on for at the time. But I says, some of you uh, in about another, however long it is when this lockdown ends, are going to say, oh, God, when you're sitting back in traffic, when you, you know, can't make it home because you're working late in the office, you can say, wow, I'd do anything to just be able to sit at home and read a book, spend more yeah. time with my work with my, you know, my my hobbies in the garden. And boom, right now, you have an opportunity to be grateful for something you're bitching about. Yeah, and I think with that too, that doesn't necessarily discredit that the situation is not good. Correct. You know, it just is like, how do you want to, how, how do you want your presence to be in this temporary experience? Two men sat behind prison bars, one saw mud, the other saw stars. See, the condition is identical. How you choose to perceive it is everything. And when you realize that you're the star of your movie, you get to choose. See, the only thing we can do in life, Henry, is experience. Let's call it. Yeah. And again, I'm a challenge. I don't need to be right. You know, I'm, just, I'm, I'm here today to help people think a little better, if possible. If you want to take it a step further, the only thing we can actually experience is the act of experiencing. But life is a process of experience through the 13-letter the word that you know, is the best we've come up with called consciousness. In other words, you essentially live life through experience from being in your head, right? Yeah. So if you spend most of your life living in your head, why wouldn't you want to make it a nice place to live? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it, right? You know, having we called this the earth school. That's something I, I call it all the time. And uh, yeah, how you want to learn in this lesson is up to you. 100%. Yeah. When, when you realize that you know, one of the biggest days in a person's emotional maturity 
is the day they realize that life is a growth-centric experience, not a comfort-centric experience. They start to realize the con job of modern society. You see, if you're too focused on yourself, for whatever reason, or your problems, or whatever, you're identified with your body, your body has a nervous system that is hardwired for comfort, which is very useful when you know, you're standing too close to a fire. Yeah. But your soul is wired for growth. We know that because you can look out of your window and see that that's the primary laws of nature. Everything grows and contributes or is taken out of the food chain. See, the strongest trees don't grow in the best soil and you know, the strongest trees aren't the ones that had the best parents. No. Strongest trees aren't the ones that went to the best schools, got the best job offers. No. The strongest trees grow in the strongest winds. If you want to become a better version of yourself, be thankful for the winds and you know, pray for some storms and don't bitch about them when they show up. Because for us, yeah, you only go to the physical body as a corollary. Now, how do you how do you grow the physical body? You put it in the gym. You grow through challenge. You push it past its comfort zone. And the comfort zone is a misnomer. Nobody actually feels comfortable in a comfort zone. They feel familiar in a comfort zone. But staying in a comfort zone ultimately leads to a huge amount of discomfort. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Especially if everything else is growing. Yeah. So when you wake up and realize life is growth centric, you start to see your challenges, your problems, what people call, you know, the negative scenarios in a different light. Because I challenge people to go back to times in their life where they've, they've had something that's shown up that, you know, at that moment they thought was a tragedy, a, a, you know, a, a divorce or in a relationship or being fired from a job or a business failure, whatever. And usually about six months down the line, you can turn around and say, wow, thank God that happened. Otherwise I wouldn't be doing this now. And we've all had experiences we can point to where that would fit. My question is, if, if we kind of know that from history, why wait six months? Yeah. Hey, so, you know, if and I'll give one final analogy, try to help people understand. Yeah, if, if you were born an athlete, but you didn't know you were an athlete and you got to the gym and you got this psychopath called a personal trainer that's trying to yeah, make you. Yeah, run on the treadmill until you throw up. Do push-ups until your arms yeah, are falling off. You'd do almost anything to try to avoid that. You'd hide behind the weight stack when you know, they came along. Yeah, you'd do just about enough to tick the box to say you'd lifted the weight or done the reps to get the hell out of there, right? Yeah. But if you're an, an athlete and you know you're an athlete and you're going for Olympic gold, I'm going to tell you right now, if you're not throwing up in 30 minutes, you want your money back. Nobody goes to a personal trainer who's a serious athlete. I mean, can you imagine going to somebody training for the Olympics and say, hey, psst, guess what? I've got this great way you can cheat on your workout. Yeah. They're going to look at you and say, wrong gym, pal. Right Now, if you take the mindset of being the muscle fiber, this is how most people that are upset, depressed, angry, you know, at the circumstances, blaming external events, all that kind of stuff. They're taking the perspective of the muscle fiber. If you are on that last burning rep, yeah, of that curl, you're sending messages to the brain. What the hell are you doing? Stop. This is painful. Yeah, I'm being destroyed. I'm being broken down. Yeah, what are you know, send more pain messages. But if you take the mindset of the athletes, you you're proud you can bust out another two reps and not lift your arms for 20 minutes on a personal best. Yeah. Make sense? Yeah. All, all you have to do is start to say, which perspective do I want to live my life from? Because you're going to get workouts. That's part of the design. Nobody has an effortless life. 
See, the unchallenged person remains juvenile. That's just how it's set up. They did the studies in the 70s, literally, where you know, they tried to bubble wrap, molly coddle, you know, not emotionally challenged kids to see if they'd you know, be more functional. Disaster. Most dysfunctional people ever have, you know, let loose in society. Yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to make sure that you don't lift any weights and then I'm going to put you in the marathon of life. Well, good luck. Yeah, you're going to get run over. Yeah, that, 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 that comes to, you know, when you talk about, you know, opportunity and being a victim, that becomes your avenue at that sense. Uh, most people justify their lack of courage and courage is, the, is what's required to cross over from, from being a victim to standing on your own two feet saying, no, this is my movie. I'm in charge. And I may be a lousy anger, but I'm here to get better. I'm going to put one in front of the other. I'm not here to get it right. Nobody's here to get it right. I screw up every day. And I'm okay with that because it's part of the process. Nobody starts college on their first day of school. Nobody's born enlightened. He stopped kindergarten. Buddha wasn't born enlightened. He was born Prince Siddhartha. Had to figure it out. You know, if you just come out of you know, RADA or acting class, you're going to fumble your lines. Don't expect yeah. to put on a an Oscar-winning performance. You know, it's it's okay. It's where we are. And if you can come to that awareness that, listen, wherever I am, no matter no matter what I've done, no matter what I've not done, I'm worthy of love. Of course I'm going to screw up. Screwing up is, is part of my capital. You know, I've failed more times than I've won. You know, I've built many multi-million dollar international businesses, success stories, and I've lost a ton of times. Yeah, I've, I've made decisions that have cost me everything both in relationships yeah and in business and in everything else i've you know i've been in small prison cells and i've been in big mansions and everything in between uh, it's like i i've you know i i want to make sure that the movie of my life that i'm filming providing i'm not harming anyone or hurting anybody else or you know anyone's less than because they cross my path and if they do then i apologize it's not my intent but you know i want to get to the end of this movie and say wow that was a movie i'd want to watch again you see, nobody wants to go to the cinema to watch a James Bond movie and pay good money to watch him rescue a kitten out of a tree for 90 minutes. Yeah, go to the grocery store. Right? You, want, the, you want the tail. Yeah, yeah. what's the great movie, guys? It's got everything. It's got comedy and tragedy and romance and heartbreak and, yeah, and, and adventure and all of that stuff. That's why we're here to play, swing the bat. Living this narrow little bandwidth of life, blaming the last time I fell over and tripped off my shoelaces. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, good luck. Keep going. See how that movie turns out. But owning your mistakes, having the courage to say sorry. Some people are men. We're, we're, we're the worst for this. We, we have no clue how to say sorry half the time because we feel that you know, it shows weakness or you know, we're, we're too committed to being right and stuck up our own butt. Uh, so you know, you know, courage isn't bravado. It's not like taking on three guys in a bar. It's, it's the courage to apologize, the courage to know when to you know, be gentle or you know, when to walk away. Now that's that's the kind of courage I'm talking about. The courage to own your mistakes and say, hey, screw it, I'm human. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, first off, willing to say you're sorry, right? That's the, uh, you know, do you want to be right or do you want to be successful? And, and you know, like, yeah, I want to be successful. So I'm not going to be right on everything. Yeah, of course. Be, be, be addicted to being right is a fast track to uh, a, a life of being alone uh, and disconnected. Right. And essentially, if you peel back the layers of the onion, it's nothing more than a, a a desire for the need for significance and an inability to handle rejection. 
Yeah, most people, unfortunately, are, are running around in life addicted to what I call goop, G-O-O-P, the good opinion of other people. Yeah. Yeah, this, this sticky, nasty, goopy substance, which really has, yeah, it, it leaches your potential. It leaches your happiness and your fulfillment and your satisfaction and your joy. And if you're trying to adapt like this chameleon to everybody else's approval strategy or what you perceive to be everybody else's approval strategy, then you're missing the reality. The reality is most people don't care enough about you to bother to give an opinion because they're too busy being worried about what they think you're thinking of them. Everybody's starring in their own movie. You know, if you see yourself as the star of your movie, I've got news for you. That means everybody else by definition is either a supporting cast, maybe a handful of people if you're lucky, vast majority of film extras in your movie. What's the definition yeah. of a film extra? Pretty simple. Somebody you're not thinking about when they're no longer in your current scene. Now, by that definition, the vast majority of people, we try to adapt ourselves to get approval, recognition, validation, all of that usual suspect crap from our people who are walking around, not looking at you as the star of your movie. They're walking around doing the same thing as the star of their movie, thinking about, I wonder what they're thinking of me. Everyone's in this bubble of self-importance. Wondering about what everybody else is thinking of me and my bubble of self-importance. And, and when you see Goop is a ghost, you can start to get the reality to laugh it off and say, you know something, stuff it. I'm here for me. I'm here to add value. I'm here to give my gift. I'm here to swing the bat. And at that point, you can let go of trying to fit everybody else's approval strategies and run around in life looking for somewhere else to reattach your umbilical cord. Yeah. No, I mean, that, that's 100% right. I think, you know, I did an episode a little while back on that exact thing about how we're almost creating fake versions of ourselves because we act how we're assuming other people think we should act. So it's not even really what they think. It's what we think that they think that we're, so we act like that. And so we're not even being true to us and they really have no impact. It's all still, it's a projection that we're creating. Um, so, so with that, you know, we mentioned the inside track, the book that um, you actually, I think have for free right now. Is that correct? Well, I, I wanted to do something for, for people because it's helped so many people change so many lives. Now, I'll give you the, the, the two-minute backstory because the context is definitive. Okay. No matter where you go. Yeah, and that is that I was arguing a, a multi-million dollar business deal in court from something that we'd done years and years before. I thought it was a complete sham. It was a multi-billion dollar company that was trying to sue me. And yeah, I thought it was just a chess move to try to pressure a settlement. And they issued a contempt of court application, which I, I, I ignored because I just thought it was BS. And I learned a lot about how the court works. They, they sold it to the judge. He gave me six months in, in prison as a civil prisoner. Never been accused of a crime. Still never been convicted. Still never been found guilty. Still don't have a criminal record. And I served six months in the most violent prison in England, non-segregated as a, as a civil prisoner. So this was in England this happened? It's in England five years ago. Okay. And, uh, and I, I essentially went in, yeah, well, didn't see it coming. Yeah, my business went from 50 staff to five staff in like three minutes. Yeah, I was left with a third of a million dollars in, in debt and legal costs and yeah, no credit rating, my business tax. I mean, it was, yeah, I lost everything. And I thought, you know, you can't, yeah, moaning at what's already happened is futile. Yeah, bitching about milk spilt on your new carpet isn't going to put it back in the bottle or clean the carpet. You know, get to acceptance quickly and you can free up the energy that you'd put into resistance, which is futile because it's already happened, and channel it into what's my next best move. And I thought, so, okay, if this is the case, and I've got a seminar that was meant to be happening the next month. We'd sold like 50 tickets, 1,000 bucks each. People want their money, but I mean, it's just, it was a crap show. And I, uh, I essentially went in as a secret agent of change. I thought, wow, I've been very lucky to be able to help you know, millions of people over the last 25 years with my work. 
maybe the real people I could help never get to see it because they're in somewhere like jail. So I went in the identity of a secret agent of change, an undercover Jedi, whatever you want to, uh, want to call it. And long story short, in those six months, I ended up getting a lot of the prisoners off drugs or stopping suicides. I redesigned the intake system to reduce violence between the wings. It's now being used in prisons all over the world. I won a national award for the work that I did. Uh, and, and I came out still a third of a million in debt with no business and nothing. And uh, the, the most excited uh, I'd ever been in my life. I'd had an amazing adventure. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't all smiles, but every two weeks while I was in there, I was writing to my senior students that were, you know, prior to that, paying me thousands of dollars a month. And I was writing, showing them how I was using all of the techniques that I'd spent the last 30 years or 25 years then in personal growth learning to manage my own state. Not only do that, but also help others and turn this into what became an incredible adventure. And those letters of what formed the book, The Inside Track. This wasn't a book that was written afterwards. This is unfolding in real time as I'm going through that ordeal. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's changed the lives of pretty much every single person who, who's read it. And, and because of what happened with, with COVID and how struggling a lot of people were, I made a commitment to try to get this book into as many hands as possible. So yeah, I, uh, I, I gave a... Uh, if you help cover it a little bit towards the shipping, it's, it's twenty four ninety five. If you go to Amazon uh, and go read the reviews, but if you give me you know, less than about ten bucks to cover the shipping, I will send you a copy on me. Now, it actually costs me to publish it, to print it, to ship it, to store it, and then to post it out, especially in North America. Probably cost me about fourteen dollars being completely transferred. So I'm losing four dollars a book. I've got so many books set aside to try to help. It's you know, I'm luckily I'm, I'm back on my feet. I'm doing well. And this is my commitment to give back. And you can put it in the show notes, but if you go to getpeepsbook.com forward slash Henry, then yeah, you can take advantage of that offer. And I've set a whole um, number of books aside for, for the people that are listening here that may want to have a resource that can really help them as it's helped many others. No, absolutely. And I mean, that, that story is, um, it's where you get tested. I think a lot of people um, in the self-help, you know, personal development space, um, don't get tested like that and fall through and, you know, follow through with the program. You know, it's, 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 I think great to live abundantly when people are paying you and you're telling people to be great and do all those things and, you know, going through the action. I think this is where a lot of self-help gurus, whatever you want to call them, probably don't have the credibility because they're not tested like that. And for you, um, I mean, probably preferably that experience would have happened, but in retrospect, it, is probably changed you and, and you know the, it puts you in the fire and literally tested everything you've worked for to build and you also could have probably asked for a better gift i know that sounds weird but then that as you say testing the fire you know, steel isn't formed in an ice tray correct it's, it's forging the furnace and yeah it's what i call a graduation event yeah, it's one of those things that come along yeah like my parents passing whatever it's a graduation event in earth school yeah, and yeah, you can't get it wrong. You just go resit the exam. That's why a lot of people have the same relationship with different people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're going to learn about what is it about me being selfish or, you know, uh, impatient or judgmental. And, uh, and yeah, it's, it's the age old yeah, adage. If, if everybody you meet's wrong, maybe it isn't them. But <laughs> yeah. for, for me, it's, it's, yeah, it comes down to, as you said, especially in this industry where yeah, everybody's happy to say they're a good sailor on a calm sea. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good sailors aren't made on calm seas. And the way that I phrased it, and I wrote this in my very first letter to my students, I said, you need to understand theory doesn't cover the price of admission to the higher levels of greatness. 
And so many people are talking theory and then yeah, bitch about it when the storm comes. Yeah. And yeah. again, I'm not saying I'm perfect. I tried to do the best I could. I'm sure there were things I could have done better. Yeah, I'm sure there's times I can look back and learn even yeah, more than, than what I, uh, I've learned since. But for, for me, it was really about having that energetic connection to adversity. It's like, boom, this is, you know, if this is my workout in the gym, and yeah, there's a lot of weight on the bar here. But if mm -hmm. I live in a friendly universe, which is one of my beliefs, that's what Einstein invited you to look at. So the most powerful question somebody can ask in their lifetime is if they live in a friendly or hostile universe. If I live in a friendly universe, yeah, that doesn't mean there's a caveat. Right, I live in a friendly universe when it's sunny. Right? No. No. When the storm's here, it's becoming to help me. It's that weight on the bar in the gym to help me, you know, run for the for the Olympics. So that that's how it puts together. But I've, I am, I'm very proud to say it's it's it's, I would say it's the best work I've put in print. In, in all fairness, I had a bit of time on my hands. <laughs> yeah. Put it. Right? But uh, I'm very proud of the book, and, and we've got some of the best names in personal growth from John Astraff, John D. Martini, Brian Tracy. I've also it's one of the best books that they've ever read in the industry, and I'm, I'm very blessed by that. So, yeah, I uh, it's unique. I'll give you that. I, I don't know any other you know, personal. Oh, good. No, I'm, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to checking it out, and uh, you know, I, I think that um, hopefully more people get to benefit from your experience without having to go through it for on their own. And you know, so that's a gift that you know you're able to go through it and then share it in a way that they can hopefully, you know, connect with, you know, what the situation was and then apply it to themselves. I have. So. And again, I want to remind people, it's not because I'm special. It's not because I'm great. We've all got to, you know, things that we're good at. I mean, I've been in this game for, you know, at that point, two and a half decades. If I, if I wasn't able to step up, I'd, I'd have been worried. But my role here isn't to try to sound great. It's to acknowledge the fact that I may have had the opportunity to learn from some of the, the mentors and masters I've, I've had the opportunity to learn from. And I may have walked the path a few feet in front of some of the people that are struggling right now. And if I can shine a light behind me and show you some of the pitfalls that I've learned from that'll enable you to sidestep that on your journey, then that's why I'm here. Absolutely. Well, Peter, thank you so much for joining me. This was um, really just insightful and I really appreciate everything that you shared. And I think it's so relevant for everybody right now that is tuning in how, you know, you can just with a little reflection understand you know what your next move is so the link for the book will be in the show notes it'll be one of the top links there so that we can go right to it i um, highly encourage you to check it out i mean this was a great uh, interview and connection um, i'm going to be checking it out after this and uh, you know hopefully growing from it as well without having to share the experience peter but thank you so much my absolute pleasure keep doing what you're doing henry and thank you so much to everybody listening to to give us you know, their time to hopefully make uh, life a little easier one step at a time